0: Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host.
1: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Podcast. My name is Johnny Drury, um, and today we're going to be talking all about membership plans and how they can increase the value of your practice. Um, And to touch on that subject, I'm joined by Chris Strevens um, from Frank Taylor & Associates. Um, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, and tell us a bit about what you do?
0: Yeah, uh, hello, Jolly. Yes, uh, my name's Chris Strevens. Uh, I am co-owner of Frank Taylor & Associates and also uh, co-owner and founder of uh, the other companies. So we've got FTA Law, FTA Finance, FTA Mortgages, FTA Recruitment, FTA Finance and Wealth, uh, as a, anything with an FTA, and it's probably mine if it looks uh, black and gold, which interestingly enough is similar to your corporate colours. But anyway, um, yeah, so we uh, bought the business, the, the first one was Frank Taylor Associates, bought that just over 20 years ago, and then all the others grew out of
1: that. Fantastic. So as I said, at the top of the conversation, we're, we're talking about um, pra- increasing the, the value of your practice and and, and how that links with, with offering a membership plan. So, um, Just to set the scene a little bit, if you can just give us a bit of a background on on the current situation of the market at the moment. Obviously, we've had a a turbulent last 12 to sort of 14 months for a lot of people in all walks of life, dentistry included. Um, So how have have practice values sort of fluctuated or stayed the same? How's the market looking at the moment? Uh, I think people would be surprised
0: that market values are really strong um, and remained strong all through last year. There was there was a couple of uh, question marks over what was going to happen to values and I think if I'd have spoken to you in April I would have been equally um cautious over what value could be. I was saying to someone that you know it, when we when we were valuing because we were valuing over lockdown what we were saying to people is we're going to value your private fees as if they covid didn't happen and when we come to the exchange and completion we'll have to review to see where they are. So, are they in line? Are they above? Are they below? And it's quite interesting. A lot of people are anticipating they were going to be below. Um, the end result is actually quite a lot of them have been above. Um, the 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 biggest change I think was the fact of so many people, uh, as in associates, who never really have been not required, were suddenly not required when practices shut. So we had stories of people that were um, earning no money. Anyone who earned over fifty thousand was only a pure private practice, was not getting any revenue, no support from the government using their savings. Um, Some of those guys, when they got to go back to work, we had uh, some people saying that they'd been put on 25%, which is obviously a massive variance from the 50% previously. And um, one of my favorite stories about this, uh, that shows the change in associate attitudes is uh, we always ask, why did you, register and want to buy a a practice and and in the days of sitting in my conservatory or when we were all working remotely um, uh, my son who who works with us was saying, asked an associate and they said well you know I always used to think that my my practice owning friends were mad because of all the stress and stuff like that but in reality um, I've now realized that I haven't earned any money for the last three months so to be in charge of my own destiny, I need to buy practice. And, and we registered over 400 people during those three months. So it just goes to show that the huge demand that there is to buy practices and the classic demand and supply curve. Um, you know, the supply is the same, uh, but demand has gone up. So practice values have been very good. And if not, probably at their highest they've been, I would reckon.
1: And as, we, um, as I mentioned at the top of the conversation, you know, we're talking about membership plans and the impact on, on practice values um so just over overarching question really how do offering plans impact on that on that overall value uh
0: massively massively i mean pre pre-covid um it was still uh, a desirable um Revenue just have so so if you sort of simplistically put it into an order of desirability, you know, if you could call it such, uh, you have NHS is still the most desirable revenue stream, um, not really too sure why that is, apart from the fact that it's regular. Um, now will that change? Who knows. But at the moment, it's still the most popular form of contract because you get paid. And I think also during lockdown, it showed you know people were uh, last year having to produce 25% of their contract activity and 100% of their money. And now they're I think in the the first part of uh, 21, it's 45% to get 100%. So so actually that wasn't that wasn't a bad wizard wheeze really. Um, so you still got regular revenue where you then next have is plans you know what type of are you getting any regular revenue in because that that makes a massive difference during that and especially during lockdown so that's love and then bottom of your desirability would be pure private fee per item so uh, it has definitely um, impacted upon practice values of practices that have a plan income you know a practice plan scheme uh, does impact upon value because people like that regularity I think people have liked it before (laughs) um, but no one was ever in the situation where they had to shut for nearly three months (laughs) and not earn any money from private fees so therefore to have that regularity of payment coming in from you guys um, was brilliant and it was a it was a great comfort and a great support and not just to the owners but you know we, we we're aware that most owners were very transparent in payments made to their associates for the plan members that they were looking after so not only did the principal generate a revenue but also the associates related to that practice did so it, it was a real positive a real positive factor and it, it is a positive factor now and i'd say it's it's seen now more positively than it was before COVID.
1: And what, um, how big of an impact does does having that plan in place have on the value of the practice? It, would you say it's one of the most important things if you're looking to increase what your practices were? <coughs> uh,
0: I think the answer is, would I say it's one of the most important things, I think the answer is it's up there with uh, your profitability. Your, your profitability is your big thing. But obviously if you've got your regular income coming in, then that makes a big difference on desirability. Um, location is the biggest one, but you know, if, if you were to have, I suppose probably the best way of thinking about it is if you had two practices that were next door to each other that did the same thing. I mean, that's impossible, do you know what I mean? If they were very similar, and you had done um, as pure private fees, and you had done that as plan income, would the plan income practice be worth more? And the answer is yes. And it could be, and... This is a bit of a guesstimate because it does vary from from location to location. But you could say, for instance, if you were looking in something like northwest London, uh, if you had a pure private fee per item practice, it could make a difference. A plan of maybe an extra one or two times multiple profit. It would depend a great deal on, on the mixture and stuff like that, but it does have a significant
1: impact. It can do, yeah. Yeah, and I know you touched on COVID and the impact of that previously. You know, Is it more important now to have a plan in place than it probably was before COVID to, if you want to yeah. increase that? Value?
0: Yeah, definitely. People, people like it. I mean, we're hearing anecdotally people who are saying, um, I'm taking on new patients, but unless they have, uh, when they join, they have to join uh, on a plan. You know, I won't take any fee per item patients. There have to be planned patients. And I think that's great because I think one for the dentist is great because it creates a revenue stream. But also I think it's quite good because it makes the patient committed to the practice. Um, and, and that would that would help with value because obviously you've got regular revenue coming in, which means you've got regular profit coming, in, assuming you've got your cost insurance.
1: And if someone, you know, further down the line, had in the back of their mind, they wanted to build their business up and, and then sell it. How far in advance would you advise them? to to put in a a membership plan? I would have thought put put
0: one in as soon as you can is the honest because it's not going to do you any harm. Um, When you look at the things that you guys especially with practice uh, practice plan you know the the facilities and support that you provide to help them is is amazing so I think they need to think about that but I think also the fact of they would then develop a regular revenue stream which depending on on how those clients are serviced and what other ancillary uh, extras you can, you know, extra treatments, whether it be Invisalign implants, crowns, whatever it is, that's going to boost your profitability because you've sort of got a connection. You've got that patient locked into you. So it's important.
1: Um, and I know you've sort of mentioned to us off off sort of recording how you, you know, chat with people in the industry and give them advice on how to maximize profit and, and what to do. If you know, what would your just putting you on the spot now? What would your three to sort of tips be for for someone who you know wanted to maximise that that profit and value ahead of ahead of possibly selling?
0: So I think for me, the, the top three would be get your timing right. So uh, if possible, if you want to maximise your profit, uh, sorry, maximise your exit value, you need to maximise your profit. So ideally, you should give yourself a two to three year run up. Um, that could be. Uh, increasing the types of specialities, the different types of treatments you do. It might involve um, patient uh, finance. It might involve, uh, and it it should involve uh, definitely the the patient finance, but also um, practice plan, you know, any any revenue scheme that you can get a regular reduction on. So so give yourself a two to three year run up rather than trying to make it all happen in the last six months or last 12 months because people like to see things happen properly. Um, I think the the next one I would say is to actually plan what you're going to do um, so, this is looking at how you run your practice, so you 're going to give yourself a two to three year run up but actually produce a plan to go with it because um, just because you 're going to give yourself a two to three year run up doesn 't necessarily mean you 're going to do anything with it. The danger is at the end of three years you 've done exactly the same as, as, as the, the the previous before you even started so so plan what you 're going to do what you 're going to bring in and and I think my last one would be um, make sure that the profits you make are are evidenced and sustainable because it's the sustainability of profit that um, enhances value because the, the way that the value works is it's a multiple of your profit. So if you've got a sustainable, consistent and hopefully growing profit, you're gonna benefit from the positivity associated with that. If your profitability is up and down a bit like a seesaw or a heart monitor, People aren't going to be wonderfully convinced about the ongoing profitability of your practice, which means that the value may not be as high as it could be. You know, if you could show a steady state progression from year one to year three, you know, you showed a a 20 percent increase every year, then people are going to feel very comfortable about paying top dollar for that because they can see that it's not just a flash in the pan. It's a proper constructed plan and sustainable profits.
1: And with the the pandemic and everything that it's brought, you know, if there was people out there who were maybe considering buying or selling in the last 12 months, but I've, you know, I'm sure there's some that have maybe put their plans on hold due to due to what's gone on. What what would your advice be to them, people?
0: Yeah, I think probably look at yet again, why do they want to either buy or why do they want to sell? Because I think sometimes people are uh, put off by the changes because they worry that they're, you know, if you're a seller, they'll worry that the practice value isn't what it was. Um, I could categorically say to you, it's probably um, at least equal to what it was, depending on how your performance has been. But I would say from 95, 97% of the practices I've seen, Uh, most of them their performance is better than it was before so their value actually is is more enhanced because I think it's made people think a little bit more outside the box whereas before they would have they they would have just continued doing exactly the same as they were doing I think what what effectively Covid did was almost gave them a bit of a reset (laughs) I think some of them are working longer hours Uh, I think some of them have changed their uh, their way they operate I think some dentists have added services you know whether it be Invisalign or whatever teeth whitening stuff like that which they might not have done before but they're quite high margin services so that's good that's good to have done.
1: It just brings us nice onto the, onto the last question probably similar to, to what I've just asked you know if there was a practice out there maybe who, who hadn't considered selling before but were thinking about it now wanted to get more the most bang for their buck almost um, you know what, what, would, they, what would you advise them in the first instance where would you sort of where would you direct them to go? What would you direct them to do in the, in the first? I thing? think the
0: first the first thing, if anyone's thinking about selling now, then the honest answer is it's too late, really, to change anything. Because you're going to be sold within, you know, if you go to the market, you're going to be sold within six to nine months, something like that, when you finally complete. So it's a bit late to change anything within your practice at the moment, Uh, apart from maybe a lease, you know, sort those sort of things out. Make sure that you're not going to get caught out by a short lease or a landlord that's rather greedy who who charges you loads of money. Um, But I would say that the most important thing, if you're thinking about selling, is contact someone to get a value. And and don't just get one value, and don't, for goodness sake, um, go with someone who's just knocked on your door. You know, the the number of times we see people who've uh, either about to sell or have sold the practice to uh, a corporate direct approach, someone who's dropped a letter in, their associate, whatever it might be, for considerably undervalued, you know. We've got, I had one the other day or uh, the one that I can remember whereby a guy had been told that um, someone would buy his practice for 1.1 million. And they said, oh, there's no commission fees. It's 1.1 million. Yeah. And he, he went to his lawyer and his lawyer said, well, why don't you give Chris a call and just see? so I spoke to the guy and I said, well, I think it's probably worth 1.25 million, but I am going to charge 30,000 pounds. And he said, "Well, I'm still up, aren't I?" He said, "You know, I'm still 120,000 pound up because you're 150,000 pound more." And I said, "Well, yeah." So he said, "All right, well, let's go to the market." And in the end, we got 1.45 million for it. So he was 320,000 pounds better off not taking a direct approach and I've got loads of stories like that because ultimately people approach you and what they don't want you to do is go to the open market or go and find out how much your practice might truly be worth because what they're hoping <laughs> is that you'll be flattered by maybe 1.1 million not look at what the true value is and also there's lots of stories you know, there's lots of stories about oh nobody's got any money the banks aren't lending da 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 it's complete hogwash the banks are really supportive over dentistry it's it's a great sector. It's what they call a green light sector, and they continue to lend money to it. So uh, don't be bamboozled by someone saying, oh, you know, no one else can afford it. And, and also, I, I say, if you look at it massively cynically, the people, um, especially in the corporate, that's their job. Their job is to buy your practice, so they are skilled negotiators, whereas quite often you are a dentist. So you need someone who can say, well, actually, I think this is the value of your practice and everybody wants to try and get your practice cheap. So make sure you get a uh, at least two valuations, I would say, at least two values. Uh, because uh, otherwise you will undersell and I if I can finish with one uh, if there's a, on, on this story here it's another one uh, a guy went to um, another broker and they said oh we the best we can get is 400,000 and 150,000 pound deferred consideration so this means you get the money paid over three years uh, we said well we think really it's probably more about 900,000 um, we sold it for 900,000 so being really cynical, uh, why did that person say 400? Is it because the person who was buying was giving them 100? Because even if they paid 400, deferred 150, and they got paid 100, they still save money over paying the true market value. So get at least two valuations. Just to see what it's worth you wouldn't sell your house to somebody who knocked on the door you wouldn't sell your house through just one estate agent you get a couple so this is probably your biggest asset maybe apart from your house so why would you not just uh, check the value of it
1: fantastic that's great well thank you very much for your time chris and thanks for going into it so, so uh, extensively about you know membership plans and how it can impact on the value of your practice so um and thanks to everyone for listening to this latest episode of podcast Thanks, Johnny. Good to speak to you.